We welcome in Danon Hughes, a Kansas City Chiefs analyst to the program. Danon, you're with Kevin Carries and David Schlemko, former NHLer. Uh, welcome to Sports 1440. Thanks for coming on today. Oh, no problem. Thanks for having me, guys. Well, we're really... an exciting weekend here in oh, country. It, it really is. So uh, when you look at this game and what Kansas City has really been able to do, having, I guess, Buffalo's number in the playoffs, and we saw it last week in the big victory over the Bills, how can Kansas City continue that momentum into the big AFC championship game against Baltimore? Well, I mean, it's definitely a tough task. Uh, we've become spoiled around here in Chiefs Kingdom because of the success over these last five-plus years with Patrick Mahomes at the helm and Andy Reid leading this group. Uh, like, we expect Super Bowls. We expect, expect Super Bowl appearances. And the Baltimore Ravens, as good a team as they are, as great a team as they are, they are the next in line. And we have to believe that's the case. I mean, from... From a team perspective, the goal doesn't change just because you have to go on the road. Uh, we did that, accomplished it last week, I, and I don't think this organization feels like just because it's the first uh, road playoff game that Patrick Mahomes has won that uh, that was it. Like, that's mm-hmm. the goal for the year. That's not the case. So we know it's going to be a hostile environment. Patrick knows how, how rabid those Ravens fans are and how tough blue-collar team they are, and uh, we just have to be ready for the challenge. So uh, it's not anything different than we've had to, to deal with during this stretch, whether it was Tom Brady with the Patriots or Joe Burrow with the Bengals or Josh Allen, as you mentioned, with the Bills. Uh, we've had to go through gauntlets at different times mm-hmm. to get to the promised land, and uh, this is definitely going to be a strong gauntlet. Daniel, what can you say about this, you know, exceptional, incredible run that the Chiefs have been on in the playoffs? Uh, You know, six straight AFC championship game. That's the second longest uh, streak in NFL history and seeking, you know, their fourth Super Bowl appearance in five years. Uh, What's been, I guess, the magic potion behind this kind of success? Yeah, I don't know if there's a magic potion. I will tell you it's strange because I – uh, prior to Andy Reid coming here and the Chiefs beating the Houston Texans several years ago, I want to say it was 2016, when we beat the Texans in the playoffs, that was the first playoff win that we had had since my rookie year, 93-94 season. So we had gone a long time, uh, 25 years I believe it was, uh, between wins in the playoffs. There's a generation of Chiefs fans that think this is normal. <laughs> like, they think that this stretch is normal and that they expect it. Well, you know, I'm here to tell you from personal experience, it's not. So we, although we have the goal in mind, we do savor this time, this stretch, because we know how, how dismal it was for a long time. Um, but as far as this team, I mean, it's just a worker's uh, mentality. They've struck gold on draft picks, which I think kind of makes us different than a lot of teams where there's a lot of teams that have had to build up their team for, to try to get to a championship based on spending a lot of money on free agents. We haven't had to do that. Brett Veach and Andy Reid have done an outstanding job. I'd say one of the top, if not the top in the NFL in regards to evaluating young talent coming out of college and then some low-priced or mid-priced free agents 
to fill in some gaps. So uh, all of that put together has put us where we've been during this stretch, and uh, we're hoping it doesn't end this week. So, Dane, and I got to think Patrick Mahomes is a big part of that potion, um, as deep as they are as a football team. Um, I mean, he's already well on his way, but what more, in your opinion, does he have to do to kind of become part of that greatest of all time convo with uh, Tom Brady? Yeah, I mean, I think right now, if you look at Patrick Mahomes and his resume and what he's been able to accomplish, um, slaying some of the dragons, slaying some of the big-name quarterbacks that he has en route to this amazing run, probably beating the Ravens and and beating the MVP and Lamar Jackson, what everybody expects to be the MVP of the NFL, beating him on his home field. Like, there's not that many boxes to check for Patrick Mahomes in regards to his stellar career. Uh, You know, he'll always be spoken in the same vein, uh, as Tom Brady, but Tom Brady has seven Super Bowls, mm-hmm. and right. we'll just be going to our fourth, hopefully winning three. So there's still a lot of football left in Patrick Mahomes and hopefully more championships left in him. Uh, but you and I, we've been around this game a long time. There's been some greats. Uh, I think of Drew Brees and, and uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers. And, I mean, you can go through the list of great quarterbacks that just got one Super Bowl. Uh, never mind having to fight for a possible fourth. So uh, this is special. Patrick Mahomes is not just an ordinary part of this team. He, he is the leader, uh, and he lives for these moments, and you could tell that by how he clashed head-to-head with Josh Allen last week. Kansas City Chiefs analyst Danon Hughes is our guest on the Kevin Carey Show with the co-host David Schlemko on Sports 1440. And our game of the day brought to you by St. Albert Dodge. It's the Chiefs and the Ravens AFC Championship on Sunday. Danon, we all kind of know the roster makeup and what happened losing Tyreek Hill. And, you know, Rashid Rice has come in and had a very fine rookie season. But do you think that things kind of went to another level with Kansas City's offense with how Isaiah Pacheco played in the backfield? Uh, it, well, it definitely has, but I would tell you that last year, uh, it's kind of been just kind of an, an add-on from last year, an addendum from last year. Isaiah Pacheco really, he didn't really burst on the scene last year, if you remember. Seventh-round mm-hmm. pick out of Rutgers, hard-nosed, blue-collar kid, huge chip on his shoulder in a positive way, but it took him a while to get going. We saw glimpses of it early in the season, and although there were a lot of Chiefs fans wondering, okay, well, when are we going to let this stallion go? When are we going to give him the ball and let him uh, be the main focus in the backfield? And really, that didn't come until later in the season, probably the fourth quarter of the season and definitely into the playoffs where you started to see the emergence of Isaiah Pacheco. He scored a touchdown in the Super Bowl, um, did an outstanding job in the road to the Super Bowl, clutch runs, which is exactly what we're seeing now, whether it was against the Miami Dolphins a couple weeks ago or this past week against the Buffalo Bills where he had 95 yards on the ground. Uh, the fact remains is the best player on the field for us is Patrick Mahomes. Uh, and I, I feel like Andy Reid probably has a tough dilemma in deciding how many times he wants to run the ball. Because as you guys know, every time we run the ball, the best player doesn't have the ball. That's Patrick. And so you have to balance that to some respect. And I feel like what we've done in the playoffs this year 
there's been a really strong balance between the run game and pass game. And Isaiah Pacheco doing a nice job of being a compliment to Patrick Mahomes. I mean, that one-two punch with Travis Kelsey, what he's been able to do, especially last week against the Bills, it makes it tough, tough for any defense. And the Ravens have a very strong defense. Number one in the league in so many categories. Uh, but I feel like our offense, we've been up to this challenge before, and hopefully they can step up this time. Uh, Dan, and you talked about uh, Patrick Mahomes having the ball in his hand. He's the most dangerous. Now, on the other side of the ball, having Lamar Jackson with the ball in his hand running is very dangerous. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's the Chiefs' game plan to kind of contain him? <laughs> Hopefully there's a whole bunch of red helmets around <laughs> Lamar Jackson when he's running. Like, like I, I'd even say maybe bring one extra guy off the sideline if you need to. Like, get 12 <laughs> helmets on him if we need to. Whatever it takes. But Lamar Jackson has been a phenomenal talent. Obviously, he still carries that chip on his shoulder with all the, the critics and the pundits and the so-called experts saying that he's a running back and should have switched a receiver or running back, et cetera. And he has something to prove. It's his second MVP campaign. Uh, the first one didn't go well for him in the postseason. Uh, and in, I'm sure in the Ravens locker room, based on the DNA of that organization, which is tough, hard-nosed football, uh, they're looking at it like this is his opportunity to, to show the world, going head-to-head against Patrick Mahomes, that – He's the better quarterback, and that's going to that's gonna be tough for people to digest no matter how this game unfolds, but I'm sure in his mind that's what he's thinking, and we have to be ready for it. Willie Gay Jr. Uh, was injured last week. Uh, he, played, he didn't play in the game, but he suited up, thought he could battle through a neck injury, and he was not able to. He was the linebacker that would have been mirroring Josh Allen on the run plays and spying him on pass plays. He wasn't able to go, so we had to make some adjustments defensively, and we were pretty solid. The first half, not so well, but the second half, holding Josh Allen down and that offense only seven points was stellar. And it's going to be a team effort. I mean, jo- Lamar Jackson's kind of like the Michael Jordan. He's going to get his. You just hope that you're able to contain him because you're not going to be able just to stop him. Chiefs analyst Danon Hughes, our guest on Sports 1440. Uh, Danon, what would it say for a Steve Spagnola defense to one week drop a successful game plan to, you know, have a have a successful game and a victory over Josh Allen and the Bills and then to replicate that against Lamar Jackson and the Ravens? What would that say about a Steve Spagnola defense? Well, it wouldn't say much different to us here in the Chiefs' kingdom because we know how special Stags has been since he's came on the scene. But I'd say to the NFL world, it would announce him as the top defensive coordinator in the game and has been in several years. To consider what he's elevated this defense to, I mean, let's face it, we've talked this entire conversation about Patrick Mahomes, a little bit about Travis Kelsey and Isaiah Pacheco, but the story this entire season for the Kansas City Chiefs has been the dominant defense. Who would have thought coming into the season after winning a Super Bowl and Patrick Mahomes being the MVP of the game and the MVP of the, the, the league last year that the overwhelming story of the season for this Chiefs team has been the defense and how well this defense has played. Uh, Chris Jones sitting out for the one game, holding out the entire training camp, 
and then stepping right in and not missing a step, the emergence of Justin Reed, uh, Drew Tranquil coming over as a free agent uh, when much needed at the linebacker position when Nick Bolton went down earlier in the season. And then the youngsters, Trent McDuffie could be the MVP of this defense uh, or Legarius Sneed, two of the more physical corners that you will see in the game. Uh, Spaz has done an outstanding job not just evaluating talent, but putting those guys in positions to be successful and also putting them in positions to, to affect quarterbacks' and psyche. And that's what we've seen all season. So hopefully we can get in the head of Lamar Jackson, make him make some bad decisions, maybe be, be a little flippant with the ball, and uh, we can flip the field and put some pressure on the Ravens. Mm-hmm. Uh, Danon Hughes with us on Sports 1440. Danon, before you played for the Chiefs uh, from 93 to 98. You went to the University of Iowa where you were a two-sport star. What was it like kind of handling and juggling everything while you were playing football and baseball at Iowa? And uh, what was that like for you? Yeah, it was an amazing experience going up to Iowa City. I'm born and raised uh, in New Jersey, five minutes from New York City. So it was a little bit of a culture shock going out to the cornfield <laughs> of Iowa, but, but it, was, it was the best decision of my life. I knew that I needed to get away, kind of become a man, uh, be on my own, and figure out life and maturity at the same time. And uh, people always ask me about the difficulty of playing multiple sports in college. And to be honest, it wasn't that difficult for me mainly because it's something that I've done since I was six years old. I played baseball, basketball, and football. Uh, I obviously knew how to be a student uh, and juggle all of those sports. So getting to college was just like another extension of high school where I'm juggling sports and not having a whole bunch of free time, but playing two sports that I love. And baseball is actually my favorite sport. It's number one. It's always been number one. Uh, I still get a chance to to uh, keep my foot in the clubhouse, so to speak, because I do college baseball for ESPN and the Big Ten Network, so I do a lot of broadcasts uh, for college baseball. But uh, it was a great experience, and it was the perfect place for me. There's not a negative thing I can say about my experience at the University of Iowa. Uh, We had great great sports teams. We went to the Rose Bowl. Uh, We won the Big Ten in baseball, went to the NCAA Regionals. We just had a lot of success, and the biggest takeaway that I have from that time is I still have great relationships. Like, I literally go on vacation two or three times a year Hmm. with 15 to 20 of my Iowa teammates. Wow. Um, We've been at each other's weddings. We've been at at each other's births with our kids and, and so on. So not just the experience in the late 80s, early 90s was special, but the relationships since have been incredible. Yeah, that's awesome, Dan. Um, well, we still got you here. I got to ask you, I'm sure you guys are sick of talking about this, but uh, from a player's maybe insider perspective, the whole Taylor Swift situation, <laughs> is this an uh, advantage, <laughs> distraction, irrelevant? What is it? I was going to be very disappointed if we didn't tackle <laughs> Taylor Swift in this conversation. Yeah. I would have put money on it that it would have been one of the first couple of questions. But, yeah, it's not not been – to me, it's not been a distraction. Like, I look at the game uh, differently now than I did maybe playing 
where distractions don't really factor in. As long as the play on the field stays top shelf, like yeah. everything else, like you guys know from a player's perspective, you're constantly dealing with mm-hmm. family and tickets and travel and hotels and and all of the different things that come with uh, being a pro athlete and having family and friends that are in tow. Taylor yeah. Swift, like she's, I mean, she's not a distraction to me. I know there's a lot of people that watch the broadcast. I don't get a chance to watch the broadcast because I'm in the booth. So maybe I would feel differently if I watched the broadcast, but like, I don't see it as a distraction. Travis Kelsey has handled it in an amazing way. I mean, to think about the global superstar that Taylor Swift is and the fact that we're still playing in the AFC Championship, Travis is still playing top-shelf football, he's still an all-pro, he scored two touchdowns last week. Like, what what better scenario could you have when you have a superstar dating uh, a global star. So it, it's, not, it's not been that big a deal for me, but I know there's some fans out there that, you know, don't necessarily like the cut-ins to the suite <laughs> every other play or however yeah. often they do it during the game. Are, are we going to see, Dane, and are we going to see Jason Kelsey hop out of that suite tarpless again this week? <laughs> I feel like he's set the tone. Like, I don't know if he can go backwards to, to wear, like, he can't go in there wearing a shirt and tie. Like, no. he's got to be in, like, sweatpants and, and a hoodie or something, and it's got to come off in, in Baltimore. Now, I don't think it's going to be as cold in in Baltimore, but, um, yeah, I mean, he set, he set the foundation now. You can't go backwards. That intensity – was on display in Buffalo, so I'm looking forward to seeing that in Baltimore. He, he just needs a, one beer in one hand and then a, a big plate of a Pinty's chicken wings in the other. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's going to that's gonna do it for sure. But, it, it, I mean, that's a cool story, too. To, mm-hmm. For your brother to be ousted in what probably is going to be his last year in the league after losing to the younger brother in the Super Bowl and then to come out there and cheer him on like, like I cheer my kids on, uh, you know, I'm sure my family has cheered me on, but I don't know if anybody's ever gone to that level of support. Yeah. And I think it's one of the really cool stories in the NFL. Hey, Dan, and thanks so much for your time uh, this morning. Enjoy the game on Sunday. All eyes will be on it uh, up here. Uh, thanks for hopping on today. Appreciate you guys having me. Go Chiefs.